This is the Criterion Cast, episode 201. Tonight we'll be discussing our 10-year anniversary, as well as a few other topics, including Spine 1000, the Criterion Channel, and Studio Canals. Long out-of-print titles may be coming back. I'm Ryan Gallagher. Joining me tonight, I have some great friends from CriterionCast.com, Arik Devins. Hey, Arik. Hey, so happy to be here. I can't believe it's been 10 years. I know. I can't either. It's it's incredible. There will be a lot of us saying that, I I, uh, imagine, (laughs) over the course of the next uh, hour or so. Uh, David Blakesley. Hey, David. Hey, Ryan. Feeling sentimental tonight. <laughs> Very sentimental indeed. <laughs> uh, Scott Nye. Hey, Scott. Howdy. And Josh Brunsting. Hey, Josh. What's going on? So, guys, 10 years, we did it. We made it. I didn't think... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think that it was going to... That it, I, I honestly, when we first started doing the podcast 10 years ago, um, we joked about, you know, how long it would take us if we were to do a podcast every week. Like, would we be able to get through the entirety of the Criterion Collection and like doing the math at the time was like, you know, it it seemed like, oh, well, that's that's not really a thing. So that's why we never even bothered to to consider doing it in spine number order, like to to record, you know, one film per week uh, going through it in spine number because it would just seem like well we would never be able to get to the films that were just being released. And so we just kind of like jumped around. and originally, when we had first started doing the podcast, we were doing it every other week, and then it went, it moved to weekly. And then, obviously, as as the years have gone by, it's become much uh, less frequent. But it's fun to think that you know we're still here ten years later, st- still have that domain name, still <laughs> releasing podcasts uh, every so often, and have this amazing like group of people you know involved with the shows involved with you know the the community on the facebook groups and everything it's just it's so happy it's so awesome i think to to see how this has grown over the the past 10 years and you know i'm so grateful to all of you who are on the episode tonight uh to to everyone who's been involved with the show over the years to you know everyone from rudy and travis and james to you know everyone else who's all the the guests who have come on the shows over the years and moises and all of his work that he did you know all those many years ago when when that year miranda was born and uh it's just uh it's amazing to to think back at all the work that we've all done and uh i wouldn't have been able to do it with any without all of you and you know and to everyone else who's been who's, who's put in work uh so thank you all it's great to be part of it, you know. Yeah, I, I kind of did my uh, ten year reminiscing at the beginning of uh, this year. Back in January was the tenth anniversary of my little chronological blog, which has you know become kind of a regular fixture here on the site uh, as a podcast and all of that. So it is. It's 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 a great little testament to longevity and stick to itiveness and <laughs> just persistence <laughs> and and just kind of drilling down into this this uh criterion mountain and and uh pulling out the gems and the jewels that we find uh di- you know deep down in the caverns there of of the nerdery and geekdom that uh has propelled us all along for all these years yeah i checked just to be double sure and at the end of the year i'll be four years in and even that feels like a very long time it's crazy to think about so I just wanted to let all the listeners know that I have uh, a few things going on right now, uh, just since I haven't been on the podcast in a few months, since probably January when we did the the Wacky Drawing, but um, to help celebrate 
our 10-year anniversary. I've put up some t-shirts for sale. We did this five years ago when uh, we had a little Teespring campaign where you could order shirts if you wanted one. And they were only available for about a month or a a few weeks. And then uh, that was that. This time around, I have a few more designs using the new C logo that I've been using for the for the website and podcast um, for the past few years. And so if you would like a shirt to kind of help celebrate our 10-year anniversary, uh, they will be available. I don't really need to make them limited, but I might make them limited just in order to (laughs) motivate people to actually order them uh, on, you know, soon. So uh, I keep toying around with the idea that this shirt design will last about a month and that maybe like in the middle of July, I'll take it down. Um, I might make it just go through all of July just in, just to let everyone have the opportunity of getting one who might want one. But I'll make sure that I let everyone know well in advance if I decide that it's going to, you know, go away and become uh, more of a collector's item uh, than just something that anyone can order whenever they want. Do you have actual sales targets that you're striving for? Uh, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't. I mean, the thing with Teespring is that um, last time around, I did need to have like a minimum order. And so I kept trying to like push it. Uh, this time around, I think all the shirts are printed on demand. And so there doesn't really need to be a minimum order or even like there there aren't any minimums i think um and so i think if you order a shirt they'll just print one and send it to you and so uh, there's not like a we don't have to wait until every there's enough people buying them to get them start to s- sent out so i don't know like um like David, okay so this isn't like a goal hit the goal or bust type of uh you know crowdfunding type of thing like if you don't raise enough money then <laughs> nobody gets nothing <laughs> exactly right right i'm ordering it right now and it says that it'll be printed by wednesday july 3rd and arrive by july 8th yeah so yep. pretty good and i think there's it's if you order 100 bucks worth of stuff you get free shipping so there's an incentive to, you know, deck out your wardrobe. Yeah, <laughs> buy the mug. Buy the mug. Uh, I was Get thinking the about, there are, Teespring does offer lots of other, yeah. like, junk that you can have the thing printed on, like phone cases and tote bags and stuff. Uh, but I don't know if I'm going to go that far with the, the design yet. I did toy around with it. Uh, there is... Um, the possibility, I, I, there is one more shirt that might get uh, put up if you follow the Facebook group. So we might do like a teal shirt. Um, and I've been toying around <laughs> with whether or not that that will be a, a more costly shirt. Like maybe I'll make it, you know, like <laughs> even more <laughs> rare or, or more expensive. And uh, a collared polo, maybe. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> So we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening with that teal shirt. Uh, and I've I've been trying to figure out do I, how do I want to like style the logo differently for the teal shirt. Like it'd be nice if it was like metallic ink or something. I don't know, but um, we'll see. So I guess again, listeners, I'm going to put a link in the show notes, and uh, you can find links to uh, where you can get those shirts on Teespring. Um, presumably on our website eventually once I get it up on there and then on all of our social platforms. Yeah, Um, I I do like the color options. I think the first edition was, that was just a straight gray with black logo, right? Was there any variations or was it just the one? Yeah, I just made the one design. Um, This time around, I've done both black and white logos on different colored shirts and I kind of wanted to make them more colorful and just 
more fun than just the boring white or black, you know, gray and black uh, of that original shirt. Um, I also wanted to mention, just because we haven't really mentioned it on the podcast at all, and I've only kind of half-heartedly mentioned this online, but we do have a Patreon uh, now going in case anyone wants to support the show. I mean, in the past, we've done um, PayPal donations for the folks out there who wanted to um, help us out. Uh, So I have set this Patreon up. Um, I haven't really done much with setting up you know, bonus exclusive things for the donors. And I probably should at some point. Um, But if anyone out there wants to donate to the show through Patreon, you can now find us there. And again, there'll be a link in the show notes. Please donate because I want to know what secret podcast Ryan's been working on. <laughs> I've, I've, it's so secret that we don't even thing. know it. <laughs> we have no idea. I mean, I just really want to know. I just, uh, <laughs> it, it does exist, uh, but it's, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, uh, it's not anything that I really want to share right now unless there's like, <laughs> enough demand for it. And so, force uh, him to share. <laughs> and we should also say listeners it starts at a dollar a month this isn't one of those patreons where you really need to fork over it can be done quite cheaply i have and i have thought about like you know just doing like a regular patreon subscriber podcast in addition to you know everything else that we do if enough people were to subscribe then it would be you know more motivation than just hoping that eventually people might donate but um as I've mentioned in in my sharing of the links to Patreon, like it doing the podcast and the website, it is nice to get a little bit of money out of this, but it's not anything. I know, you know, how many listeners we have and what most people make off of their Patreons and I don't want to like push it so much that it becomes annoying to anyone out there. So, uh I will just leave it at that. If you would like to support the show, you can uh support us on Patreon. Yeah, I mean, I'll happily create some bonus content if that's any kind of a incentive or spur. You know, let, let let's get going. You know, I mean, I'll just read my old blog posts or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to mention at this point too, David. In in case anyone out there hasn't gone and watched them yet, has started a new little uh, series on our YouTube channel where you can go and watch him. Uh, in live in the flesh discussing films sometimes uh running up hills uh... (laughs) well well, there's two videos that's a series right it's a series definitely well you know it's been an interesting little kind of experiment for me and i i definitely have to you know tip my hat to the the dedicated youtubers out there it's a little harder than i thought it might be i have a few um let's just say failed experiments in the vault that will never see the light of day as i've been uh, you know just kind of experimenting with different types of uh formats and deliveries and whatnot so yeah i am working on one for um a face in the crowd and i'll just say i think i'm going to retire my andy griffith impression <laughs> it didn't work so well. if you haven't seen david's excellent beard this is the best way to do it so Oh, it's yeah. it's incredible. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah the, the beard will be on full display. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> Wonderful. But uh, maybe not the southern accent, you know. We'll <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I am going to try to whip one of those out really quick. And and yeah, definitely, this is a fun way of kind of giving a, a quick riff take on uh, some of the new releases coming out. Uh, I had hoped to pick up the pace a little bit more than I have, but I will stick with it. And uh, yeah, that'll be a little... A little side venture to my normal uh, Criterion Reflections podcasting so I can stay in touch with what's happening today in the world of Criterion uh, new releases and all that. 
I also wanted to mention while we have you here, Arik, uh, mm. your new podcast. Uh, you haven't. You obviously listeners will probably be familiar with your Cinema Gadfly series that is kind of on hiatus now. But uh, you have a whole new show going on. I do. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. It's called Fun Fact, and you can find it out about it at funfact.fm and basically my friend alan and i call each other up and tell each other interesting things we learned recently that's basically the premise (laughs) they're goofy oftentimes it is but it's totally fun and definitely worth subscribing to it's not all you know or much like film related stuff but it is obviously from you know like a film nerd perspective i think i should definitely do a fun fact at some point about um aspect ratios i think i did one about silent film scores early on and then finally in our like business segment of this podcast i wanted to mention uh (laughs) the fact that i and and i guess like we haven't really talked about it since it's happened but i i assume that all of our listeners are just basically the people in the facebook groups and so they all know this but that might be foolish to assume that, and so I'm going to just say it here. But um, for anyone who doesn't know, Aaron, who is producing you know, the Criterion Now show uh, on our site, has moved on and created his own little media network uh, alongside a number of other film uh, podcasters called the 25th Frame Media uh, network. You can find them at 25thframemedia.com. They've gone and moved Criterion Now over there and gathered together uh, a number of the film home media enthusiast um, friends in our, you know, in all the groups. uh, And they've created a pretty amazing lineup of uh, shows. So if you um, are curious why that show isn't in the master feed anymore, uh, you can find it now over there. Um, And we are all still, you know, good friends and nerd out together on the different Facebook groups. But I know that there are listeners who uh, aren't on Facebook because I have emails from them and I know that they exist. (laughs) And so, um, you know, if you are hearing the show and are curious, like what happened, uh, he went on to kind of grow the network or his own network. uh, And I'm I totally support it. And it's um, been amazing to watch him. Uh, grow in that way so if you ha- don't don't already subscribe to that uh, feed you should go check it out yeah it was a completely amicable you know plan you know we we have our criterion cast thing going and like i say we've got 10 years in but uh yeah the 20th 25th frame is a really wonderful collection of different voices uh they kind of broaden the scope beyond criterion obviously and uh and, you know i've made a an appearance or two over there and i know i've got more in the future so it's all very kind of cross-connected and and very uh you know very friendly and and cooperative so it's it's a cool thing and if you subscribe to this you should subscribe to that as well film struck zone alicia malone with a show over there didn't realize that yeah mm-hmm. yeah oh, they've got a very nice uh outreach and and uh just a great variety of of topics guests and perspectives so we have a few topics tonight. We tonight we're not going to talk about one film in particular. In trying to come up with a you know an episode to celebrate the tenth year of doing the show, uh, I went back and forth with some ideas as to what we should talk about tonight. And there are definitely some big films in the collection that could warrant you know or fit in with our anniversary episodes. Um, but this time around, there are a few topics that I wanted to talk with you all about. Um, given the fact that this is now 10 years for us and this appears to be like a pretty big 
year for Criterion, potentially, given the fact that we're just a few spy numbers away from knowing what uh, number 1000 will be. And so uh, I thought that would be a good uh, way of kind of, you know, looking back at our own time now here, like when we started doing the show, we were in, we, in 2009, that was right before Criterion got to 500. And so it's been, you know, <laughs> basically wow. like, I mean, it, it, was, it was right before the Rossellini box that came out. We, we started doing it in July of 2009. And then it was like January of 2010, I think was when the Rossellini box that came out. Um, so we were kind of leading up to that. We had like the Kurosawa um, box set come out that, that winter. Um, and so we're about to, you know, have the 10 year anniversary of that Kurosawa set. Um, but it's amazing to think now that we've effectively like followed along with 500 releases on the podcast over the course of the years. So what do you got? Okay. So there have been, <laughs> there is like endless discussions and rumors and theories about what the, and, and, and you know, wishes and hopes and dreams about what spine number 1000 will be. I have my own thoughts on it and I have my own thoughts on gen in general as to like, you know, <laughs> wishing ab about, about what it could be. It's from, you go goes from everything from, Oh, this is going to be the grand Budapest hotel because you know, <laughs> Wes Anderson has had various spine numbers line up with, you know, points along the the spine number uh, timeline that might line up again with number one yeah, I think he's got what life aquatic and fantastic mr fox are the two that are on the hundreds right yeah. i think 300 and was it 800 i think i think that's 700 or 700 yeah okay but then you know there are there are guesses and theories that maybe this might involve something like citizen kane uh, or even more films from Orson Welles uh, gathered together in a giant box set. Um, I don't know. Again, that that seems like it would be cool. Uh, I I like the theories also that Criterion will do Citizen Kane as one thousand and one because of the whole like, laser disc number one lineup. Uh, you know. Anyway, I'm gonna go around the table here, and I would like to hear you guys. <laughs> Uh, what your own hopes and dreams and theories are as as far as spine number 1000. And I guess, Arik, let's start with you. What what do you want number 1000 to be? Or what do you think it might be? So what if it's all of the rumors and they each have 1000 and it's <laughs> A, B, C, D? I think that would be, be my favorite thing to happen. Uh, I would assume that it will be, first of all, I don't think it's going to be of no significance. Uh, like honeymoon killers or something like that. I, I, <laughs> I'm guessing, although I remember on a podcast once saying, ah, oh, nobody likes the movie, but I like the movie. That's great. But, um, I would assume it'll be either citizen Kane or the King Kong or something mm -hmm. of that ilk. I think at this point, if it's not citizen Kane, it will almost be a letdown no matter what it actually is. Yeah. Do you, sort do you think it will be, a, well, do you think it'll be a letdown no matter what, like even if it is something like citizen Kane or, wells box set like no matter what someone is going to be disappointed because it's not what they were hoping yeah for, for. sure it'll they'll be like what i wanted the wong car y box set so for sure every kurosawa movie you know the <laughs> 100 on blu-ray but I, I so yes i think people will definitely be bummed no matter what it is but i would say a wells box set probably has the lowest percentage of people who will be upset josh what are you hoping for in a in a number 1000 that's a really good question that i don't i i still don't have a real answer for it. part of me wants wants it to be bamboozled 
Just be, <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> just because, just that. I think that's the troll in me, and also I think Bamboozled's an incredible film. Uh, I could see it being like a a check box set. I think that would be pretty rad. Um, but I also could see it being Citizen Kane, even though I don't know. Am I the only one that kind of doesn't want it to be Citizen? Like I have a perfectly good Citizen Kane Blu-ray. But yeah, I don't know. I'm hoping for Bamboozled. That's my that's my my pick. That's a good one. My dream choice. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Scott, what do you think? I, I am definitely putting my money on Kane. Uh, you know, no points for uh, hedging your bets. So it could be a lot of things, but I'm, I'm putting my money on Kane because then if I'm right, I can. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I also I don't buy that it's going to be a box set because they've slowly been moving away from numbering their box sets. As much as that seems like the right answer, it just feels like they've been too inconsistent with that for me to feel good about. It. I mean, the Bergman set wasn't numbered. Uh, a lot of others haven't been numbered, so it doesn't. The box set doesn't feel right. It feels like it's got to be a single film. So I'm going with Kane. Does that then mean you think that it will? There will be a an additional big box set this fall, um, like apart from Spine Number One Thousand. Yes, for sure. I, I think they, uh, I mean, we're, they were obviously very overwhelmed by the sales in the Bergman set. And I mean, it would be a fast turnaround to get out another set, but I know they've been working on like the one car Y set. So that's already in the uh, picture. I, I would not be surprised if the big director box sets become a more regular fixture. Well, Nakira Stami set seems like a lock, right? Yeah. That would be great. That's right. Yeah. That's in the, I feel like that'll be a little further off because I know there's still, got theatrical tours with that which i guess maybe they'll, they'll do with one car y too i do hope at some point they'll collect all their ozu stuff together in part because i've been waiting for so much of that to get upgraded but for now i'm, I'm going with kane for 1000 david what do you think yeah I, I don't really have a strong reason to buck against the what appears to be the conventional wisdom um you know the olympics box set at number 900 really raised the bar for some big blockbuster type of thing otherwise all their you know hundreds uh have been single disc editions so you know king kong i think is a as a reasonable um alternative if they can't quite secure kane for number 1000 just as he's you know he's king kong you know or, or, <laughs> yeah. and, and and who's the biggest baddest dude of them all right um or maybe the godzilla box set if they really want to do something i was gonna say could they theoretically do a godzilla set like the like the olympic set where they just don't number the yeah yeah like like a big run you know all under one spine number it's rumored to be coming and I'm very yeah excited. I mean that would that would be the I mean that would it, it, even though you know the Godzilla films are not you know the pinnacle of art house cinema but they're just a big you know raucous stomper of a set which I think would would make a pretty you know persuasive convincing 1000 if you want to you know attach some significance to the number but yeah I, I do think citizen kane and you know and i think keith did a keith enright did a pretty wonderful job of spelling out his fantasy speaking of the 25th frame he was on a criterion now a few weeks ago and laid out a pretty convincing case or at least a, a very appealing case maybe not not convincing in terms of proof because he's speculating as much as the rest of us are but uh it would be a really wonderful artifact to, to get all that under you know one box one spine number what do you want ryan what do i want i think i think i think it should be more than one film i i don't know if i need it to be 
So like the idea of like a Citizen Kane box set being Spine 1000, I mean, I, I guess I haven't he heard the people bucking against that, but wouldn't that mess with all of the Spine numbers of the of the films already released by by Wells, um, you mean you mean like a Wells box set? Like if it was all, a yeah. Wells box set that contained um, everything, you know. The, I think that's the biggest reason why they, they didn't number the Bergman box because yeah. it's like, how do you what do you do with sure. all those spines, and do you give all the individual films a spine? So it's just like it's a standalone thing. Yeah. So then I guess I would imagine that a Wells box set would be like the big box set of the year and not spine number one thousand. And then if they were to do Citizen Kane as Spine 1000 and then also a Wells box set, like that seems, mm. that doesn't, that seems like it would be too close together for them to justify using two big things of the year. I guess there is the idea that it could, 1000 could also be like other side of the wind, but then that kind of fits in the same, um, that has that same problem. I'm going to say spine number 1000 i would like it to be the the godzilla set um it, it seems yeah. like there there's so much uh theorizing about wells being connected and and citizen kane being connected to 1000 that i feel like we are all uh talking ourselves into this being definitely what criterion will do and that often when we when the community kind of gets into <laughs> that mindset then we are often surprised by what criterion ends up doing so so I I'm going to say that it's not Citizen Kane but and 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 the the whole idea of uh the laser discs matching up with um you know like Citizen Kane and King Kong being like 1001 1002 that seems more of a plausible like fun thing that they could do with the spine numbers um and and the Godzilla thing too like they could do the Spot the box set, Spine One Thousand with with a ton of films in it, all of these uh, Godzilla films, and not have the have to worry about giving them each their own spine number, like a Zatoichi or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I I think that's gonna be my guess. Uh, and again, there's no money involved with this or <laughs> uh, or points. I guess we're not gonna keep. Uh, no one's gonna win the the draft on this one. I guess. So it's another. Oh, Janus you know, there will be set. some chess thumping whenever. Somebody... <laughs> <laughs> if there's another Janus film set, and it has every movie ever released in the collection. <laughs> That's right. I love, it. I love it. All of Kurosawa, all of Fellini. Yeah, you know, but with no and special then a reissue features. of the Bergman. Right. <laughs> all right. So let's uh, move on here. So I wanted to briefly, since now we're, we're all gathered here together, and we all presumably have been watching it in some form or another the criterion channel has been live for a few months now we're all about to get our own little uh metal card in the mail our little metal <laughs> and uh <laughs> i'm just curious how how it's held up for you like how it's been in the transition away from filmstruck to this new independent criterion channel um you know are are the technical difficulties um, getting better for you? Do you find that you know you're you're still watching it as much as you were watching films on Filmstruck? Um, I guess Arik, let's go to you first here. What? Um, how are you using the Criterion Channel? Do you find it uh, to be better or worse than Filmstruck? So it's interesting because I I think technologically speaking, I think it's better than Filmstruck in most ways. 
but I use it less because it mostly just has the Criterion Channel films on there or the Criterion Collection films on there, and I own most of those. Um, so I don't find myself going to it as often as with Filmstruck. I do go and watch a lot of the like 10 minutes or less features. I really enjoy that. I really like that that's a section. Um, and when they add something new that I know is you know not going to be there forever, I'll go and try to watch a couple of the things I want to see. And I've been really enjoying that. I think the the app itself, like I said, is significantly better than I, I was pretty frustrated with Filmstruck m- most of the time. Not so much for like streaming, but like just the app was very clunky. And I thought the UI, especially on Apple TV, was was pretty poor. So um, I'm pretty impressed with the with their technology situation. I like the aesthetic. I like the way it works. I like the list. I like like a lot of things about it. But I don't. I haven't been using it that much. But I will say, when I use it, I've, I for sure will keep subscribing to it. And when I use it to watch something that otherwise I wouldn't get to see, it's like so so awesome. What are you gonna do with your card when it comes in the mail? That is a great question. I might frame it. <laughs> What about you, Josh? How are you, how is it, uh, you know, affecting you as far as like, you know, being able to watch all these films now? Does it, is it filling that filmstruck hole in your life? I'm kind of with Arik. I am using it, I don't want to say significantly less than I, I was filmstruck, but quite a bit less just because it is primarily at this point just the Criterion stuff. Um, I have checked out a couple, like I know I, when they had the Joanna Hogg set, I watched one, uh, unrelated out of that set and then there was a uh, mike lee's career girls i watched recently i think it's a it's a lot more streamlined than filmstruck ever was which i like um i haven't really witnessed any technical difficulties uh on my roku or my fire stick um i haven't really used the the browser yet but uh but yeah i i think it's once the catalog expands a little bit which it looks like it will in july um, I think I'll definitely be using it significantly more. David, is it, um, I know we talked a lot about like when, when Filmstruck was going away and how you were trying to kind of like cram in some of the stuff that was going to be coming up on your Criterion Reflections podcast. Like mm-hmm. now that it's back, does it, um, is it, is it filling for you like exactly what you needed? I mean, imagine just because you're so focused on the Criterion channel, like, or the Criterion yeah. Collection in general, like the Filmstruck mm-hmm. side of things was a nice little bonus, but like, you know, for for podcasting and blogging and stuff, like, is everything there now that was there when it left, like th- that you needed for your, you know, where you're at right now in the chronology? Yeah, 1971. Yeah, yeah no, it, it, it has given me everything I needed, plus it's expanded. I've got the the Tales of Beatrix Potter coming up, <laughs> and uh, which is a pretty cool little uh, you know kind of animated chill. Not it's live action animation, I should say, like characters and uh, you know Peter Rabbit costumes and all of that. Uh, there's a uh, a nice Simone Signore, uh, the Widow Coderic uh, from 1971. So it's adding more titles than I originally had in the queue when I was setting up my uh, podcasting. Uh, lineup uh last year so yeah everything's there the uh the streaming quality seems pretty stable and and uh, pretty high quality and uh it's a it's a great resource i do find myself when i'm just kind of looking for something to watch that isn't you know 
uh, mission driven by like podcasting or some other kind of, you know, reviewing obligations, I, I do find I veer towards uh, what's expiring soon just to make sure I get it in before it's gone forever, you know. So like the Columbia Noir and uh, you know, a couple other films that uh, are not on disc but will be leaving at the end of this month or are at the top of my queue uh for over the next uh, 10 days or whatever and uh you know and and then i'll be looking at what's going to be disappearing in july so i think it is kind of a staying on top of um you know the limited edition runs that's that's pretty appealing and then you know even even films that i own like i'm going to be podcasting on ingmar bergman's the touch tomorrow so uh being that that's one of bergman's very rare you know at least partially english language films i can kind of listen to that you know on my phone just kind of as a as a yeah, a reminder, kind of a refresher, just to kind of immerse myself in that film a little bit more. So those are the nice things that, you know, even if I'm not watching it in its highest fidelity on Blu-ray, just having access to a streaming version of the film when I'm standing in line or, you know, uh, you know, driving around or whatever, just having it playing in background is really nice. I really just appreciate the versatility of having a criterion on the go. I also find myself in the same position as David of trying to like keep ahead of the expiring titles, although this is the first time we've had kind of the that avalanche to look out for. Um, so I'm also trying to pack in the Columbia Noir stuff. And I mean, it's really good so far. Like everything I've watched has been pretty amazing. Um, and yeah, technically I never had the big issues that people had up front. Uh, one of the first films I watched on there was Wanda, which is an extremely grainy, you know, the colors are very odd. There's a lot of things that could go wrong in a streaming presentation. I watched on two different TVs and I didn't on either. And so I was sold like right from the jump. And at this point, I don't watch as much as I did on Filmstruck just because my job has changed, my hours have changed. Um, but it's certainly a, a quick go-to whenever I'm uh, eyeing some movie time the playing in background was is is a pretty big i don't did they have the background play for filmstruck like where you could play the commentary and listen in the background i don't think you could yeah i don't think you could on filmstruck i think i tried that and it just shut off i do that all the time <laughs> that's a big thing for me just as a as a guy who likes the supplements that's a big change it's a small change but i think it's a a big one for me at least yeah, no, that's it's a great feature and definitely, you know, it, it kind of like turns a lot of those supplements into like audiobooks or podcasts yeah, um, yeah, for yeah. while you're working. Do you think that the Criterion channel has affected um, Criterion's um, output so far this year at all? I mean, it seems like it, they've done a pretty good job of keeping them, you know, keeping the disc releases chugging along. We don't seem to be getting as many like new commentaries from Criterion on the discs, but they do continue to you know have packed months uh, with you know like almost six releases per month yeah i don't know how they keep it up because a lot of them i'm just like well they'll probably put it on the criterion channel for a little bit at least as a limited edition so i'm like do i really need to buy it kind of thing uh but i i do hope <laughs> to keep up both you know i don't know how they do it but i hope they do speaking of discs i guess i wanted to for our third topic tonight turn our attention to the return in a way, of many of the films that went out of print also almost 10 years ago now. Um, it was back in, I think, February of 2010 when the Criterion Collection unveiled the fact that they were going to be losing um, a significant number of films from Studio Canal um, at the end of March of 2010. And so it's it's almost been 10 years now where the, these films were made out of print. Um, 
but now and and they had moved uh over to Lionsgate or at least Lionsgate had the rights to many of these films even if they didn't actually end up releasing <laughs> uh many of them um <laughs> they only released a handful <laughs> of them i think uh on yeah. blu-ray some of them got dvd releases yeah i mean some of them were like mod titles even yeah exactly they were not well handled no <laughs> and so now thanks mostly to the fact that uh the people at kino are really eager to share what they have the rights to <laughs> through the forum criterion forum through the blu-ray.com forum uh, and then through their own just social media channels where they're constantly, you know, revealing the fact that they have the rights to many of the films that people are eager to collect, including many of the films that went out of print from Criterion, films like Last Year at Marion Bad, you know, things like Alphaville. Next month in July, and I guess we've already started to see some of these titles be released by Kino, uh, but they're also very eager to tell people which ones they tried to get and couldn't get or which films they didn't bother to try to get because someone else, some other unnamed distributor uh, had already picked them up. And so we, through this kind of like unofficial means process of elimination, almost process of eliminations. Exactly. That's what I was looking for. We, we kind of know what (laughs) criterion probably has regained the rights to, and if not criterion, then who knows who. Yeah. And Peter Becker is sitting there staring at Kino like you guys aren't supposed to be doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) That, I mean, a side note here, it is, it has been fascinating over to think about how these companies reveal certain things and how we've watched them, you know, change their, uh, their habits over the past 10 years. I mean, like, you know, 10 years ago, it didn't seem like there was, a, there were definitely like insiders who would share on forums, but it, you know, now it seems like it's almost its own form of publicity for the collectors. Um, and I'm sure they look at it that way when they, you know, are, are discussing what they're allowed to share on the forums and whatnot. I mean, it's certainly not some like rogue employee, like this has to be carefully planned out, I'd imagine. And they're, you know, and when stuff gets revealed by someone else then they're like kind of like oh well we weren't supposed to share that yet or something like that and i'm thinking of me when i shared that (laughs) i was gonna say you you don't have any personal experience with this do you right so um what do we what do we know that's coming from criterion coming back to criterion uh so far like the handful that seems like that are strongly suggested by the insider films like army of shadows tales of hoffman peeping tom Pierre Le Fou, Le Cirque Le Rouge. I think those are ones I think so far that they that Kino has not gotten the rights to that they are like hinting that Criterion has. Yeah, I think there are also kind of three that I've considered to be kind of major titles that were announced very early in Criterion's Blu-ray Voyage, uh, one of which came out. I think The Third Man is one that's going to come back. And then I think they'll finally be able to put out their Ron and Contempt releases which have been uh, much desired since those were two titles in particular that uh, Lionsgate kind of bungled, or Studio Canal, depending on who was responsible for the transfer. Um, they were fine releases. Ron is on the streaming site right now. That's right, yeah. And I know people were very frustrated with those releases. I think they're decent. I think especially in the supplements department, the uh, Char- or, uh, contempt release is pretty exceptional they actually have contemporary interviews with Jean-Luc Godard which is like unheard of uh in terms of his releases um but it, it that was one in particular that I remember uh Glenn Kenny actually talking about going to the Criterion offices and seeing the transfer 
for contempt just being blown away. And I'm sure, you know, by today's standards, whatever transfer they had in 2008, 2009, probably didn't, wouldn't hold up, but it's one that I really think they could knock out of the park. So those are kind of the three that I have my eye on returning. Is there, is there talk yet? I mean, I know that I've seen the, the forum posts go back and forth, but Grand Illusion was one that where, where, you know, it's obvious like spine number one. So yeah. it's a huge deal for Criterion to have lost it. They were very sad about that. Lionsgate did release its own Blu-ray. Um, but I've seen, you know, it seems like that's one in the discussion that people aren't sure if that, if Criterion managed to get that back or if Lionsgate is holding on to it. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I hadn't read up on that one. Uh, I wonder if that disc is still in print, the Lionsgate one. You have to assume they would bid a premium for that one, but it doesn't mean they got it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's still amazing to me the number of films that Kino got that Criterion was unable to especially like, Kino secure. I mean, <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's Kino has done a pretty amazing job over the past 10 years in kind of, and is especially like in the past two to three years where they, you know, in launching the studio classics line, they have just done an amazing job at actually getting discs out the door into people's collections. Like, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. Like Criterion would take so long to get this stuff back in print, whereas Kino's like, we'll do it. We'll do it by October. We're there. And it, like you know, to see how many films they release in a month is just like shocking. And you know, when I get their their emails, like their press emails, saying like, here's our here's our July lineup for just you know like Studio Classics, and here's our July lineup yeah. for uh, Kino Classics plus everything else that we're releasing. It's just like they release like it's wild. It feels like like 20 to 30 films a month uh on home but is that a good thing i i I mean i think it is it doesn't do anyone any good when these releases are being held back yeah uh, and being you know like slowly trickled out by a company like you know even if that's true even if they're nice additions with you know good transfers like every once in a while i think kino may put out uh something that people have issues with as far as like cropping or mm-hmm. uh, th- things like that but those have been becoming more few and far between i think yeah i mean maybe it's just that i'm a i'm spoiled and i just you know the kino releases have no magic to them they have the films on them yeah i think they have it where it counts like for me having the film in a good transfer with an audio commentary is a huge bonus and that's a that's a level that criterion doesn't always reach um and you know i mean i like their short the criterion produced shorter supplements well but it is kind of nice to just throw on an audio commentary you know i can play video games while i do that you know it's like it's a supplement that's very digestible for me in terms of uh my lifestyle uh that i really wish criterion did more of and which seems to be most of the province of uh the uk distributors they do really great jobs with that uh but kino's kind of holding it down for the u.s uh and I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean that's a fair point. I I think that the Criterion Criterion at their best, their releases are way better. But it is true that we are not in the glory days of Criterion audio commentaries. And as someone who's recently got way back into audio commentaries, I'm I'm definitely with you on that. And certainly, there's an argument to be made. I mean, I'm coming from like a kind of a weird place, similar to maybe David, where you know if something gets released that I love but doesn't come out on Criterion, then it's not a part of the project I'm doing. And so that negatively impacts me in a way that it doesn't impact anyone else so uh so you know well and i'm looking at the just their two upcoming melvilles and they've got commentaries on both 
uh, Volker Schlondorf interviews on both. That's awesome. And a couple other supplements on stuff too. So that is very awesome. I, it seems like they yeah, it seems like they're giving, especially the studio canal stuff. Cause even like the nun had a bunch of features on it. Um, yeah. And I know last year at Marion bad, they have a new, uh, video essay too, in addition to the commentary. So it seems like they're at least, like I said, with the studio canal stuff, it seems like they're given given some extra love and care to them they still don't release all of their theatrical stuff on blu-ray which is strange and also kino i just want to throw this out there has been great about their sales on their own website oh yeah uh heavily discounting (laughs) pretty much like new releases and yeah um i mean i don't know how that's affecting them business-wise in the long run like if people are just waiting for those sales but it is awesome to have the opportunity to like you know, pick up a lot of these Blu-rays at like basically like ten dollars, um, as opposed to like you know even with the Criterion sales stuff like you know you're paying almost always like about twenty dollars for those releases, and so it's nice to have the option of getting like some of these films that I've wanted to to pick up, but I just well you know I'll wait a little bit for one of those sales and then and and I agree, Ark. I think it's like the packaging. Yes, it's so cheap. I, I just got some guitar blueberries in the mail yesterday and they were already kind of bent. <laughs> I guess like I go back and forth because the packaging does mean so much to me as far as like the collecting part of it. Like I almost feel like the Kino stuff I could just throw in a binder and I wouldn't feel like I'm missing out on yeah. much. Sure. If anything. Sure. And meanwhile, I want to like have my criterions on display and like have them on a <laughs> shelf in front of my TV that I look at when I'm watching a movie. And so i i hear you but I, you know is it is the trade-off of having like poor packaging but having the film available is that a trade-off that we're all willing to make and i i think it is i mean i guess i just dream of like there having been one month where they're like look bob leflambeur alphaville you know that they're all back right and that wouldn't have happened i guess one thing that i've i've thought about in seeing uh, Kino's release strategy is like, you know, they, they have the Studio Canal or the classic Studio Classics line, but I wish that they would do something kind of like what, what Shout Factory does with their Shout Select and but but or olive or olive with the 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 signature edition, is that what they call their special line? Yeah. Like you have a a little sub collection and I know they they already have so many sub collections, but like have have their own little premium have like a premium line of 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 discs with fancy packaging that mm-hmm. they could charge a little bit more for to you know recoup the cost of the materials involved and just make it a little bit more of like a this is a this is what you want to display on your shelf for these films that Criterion once had and now we have but you know you know you know what I mean yeah because I really want to buy that Bob Flambeur because I love that movie mm-hmm. and I probably uh, will uh- but. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think there's just something special about giving a movie kind of its little showcase, you know, because yeah, yeah there are so many incredible films out there, but, you know, when it's kind of more of a select, hey, we're going to just put this one in the spotlight for a minute, and and nice package, artwork, little essay, little booklet, it, it, it to me, it really just enhances the, the whole experience of getting into that film and, and kind of immersing yourself in it, and, you know, because I... I still think there's there's something to be said about you know slowing down the just the sheer volume of intake and and stopping to really appreciate something for kind of a standout you know creation a moment that it kind of uh, you know made its impact and and the whole 
the milieu that it, it came out in and, and the times that it was speaking to. And then, you know, then you make the application to today. So I guess I do kind of still appreciate Criterion's slower pace. It just kind of allows each film to breathe and have a life of its own, even if it's, you know, going to be, you know, kind of swept into the current over the next couple months as a, another awesome slate of movies makes their debut. But yeah, I, I do like that kind of pacing that uh, this kind of more elite style of, uh, you know, collection uh, releases. It, it just kind of makes a, a better a better experience just to kind of let, let the film stand on its own. For sure. But then I look at my dinner table here as three new Godard Blu-rays sit there that I don't have to wait three years for. <laughs> right. And I, I, yeah. I, I still, I do appreciate what Kino does too. Cause I want, I want those three Godards and I don't want to have to wait for three or four years for them. So, yeah. Yeah, I, and I think it, this all speaks to a topic that Ryan put on the sheet for tonight, which is just how much the industry has changed in the past 10 years. For sure. You know, 10 years ago, Criterion was not only like very obviously the premier distributor as far as like independents go, but one of very few that existed, period. Mm-hmm. Um, and now there are so many new outlets and they're all... They were spoiled. Yeah, now, they're all in really. kind of the same business, but, you know, small variations there. You know, Kino's definitely got the quantity going for it um and i think in terms of like genre and stuff obviously there's distributors like shout or arrow that specialize more in that or scream factory is a subsidiary of shout and there's places like uh indicator that are more i think directly a criterion challenger that do very similar models even if they strangely don't release any foreign language films (laughs) Um, but in terms of that kind of prestige very carefully curated very carefully assembled releases you know, I mean, it's a very strangely healthy market for an industry we all feel like is also going out of business at the same time. Like it's, we all feel like the physical media format is dying, but the industry feels month to month very buoyant and healthy. And I think, you know, as much as you know, sometimes releases, yeah, I would like some of the keynote stuff to get bigger platform, or some of the Criterion stuff to come out faster. But it's all, it's all happening at a very exciting and very fresh rate. Absolutely. I, 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 that point that you just made, Scott, about the whole idea that this, there's always talk that the industry is dying, and yet it continues to flourish with new, with new companies coming out. It, it is a pretty interesting feeling to have, like th- this dual feeling of like, well, I need them to, I need Kino to keep releasing at this rate in order for these films to just get HD releases for us that we can put on our shelf and not have to, you know worry about them expiring on some streaming service or or sit on some producer's shelf because they are they're taking too long to release it it's like if we don't get this film now like maybe we won't ever get it and and that's uh but you know that feeling might be totally false because there really will be like this this independent distributor market like these these boutique labels will continue to thrive like going forward because people will still want to keep collecting even if it shrinks and you know the formats change again like i think the fans of of collecting will continue to become like the distributors of this stuff as they've as we've always kind of been like not us personally but like you know the the people who want to keep this market alive will keep it alive or maybe us personally i think the one thing that makes me nervous long term is that apparently we're down to one replicator for the entire country (laughs) of discs and it's a big corporation and if they just decide you know it doesn't fit their profit margins then uh, then we're really and truly screwed. But I don't know who knows if they're really a bootleg 
operation in the basement that's churning out <laughs> Blu-rays for Criterion or some such in five years. Yeah. But we'll see. Oh, that's a good point, too. <laughs> well, guys, I know it's getting late for the folks on the East Coast, and so I didn't want to have this episode go on for too long. But I kind of wanted to, as we close things out tonight, now that we're also, as we record this, like towards the end of June, I thought I would just go around and see... Um, and maybe as we, you know, say our goodbyes, like any thoughts on Criterion so far in 2019 in as far as like releases that have come out? I know we know a few more months in advance, like what is going to happen. But like what what have you watched so far this year from Criterion? Just because it's kind of a nice way of like thinking about, you know, in six months, we're going to end up doing our end of the year episode for 2019 and talk about like you know our favorite criterion releases and favorite supplements and covers and everything and like how are you feeling at this point now in the middle of the year as far as what criterion has released that you've managed to watch or you know had time to watch um i guess david let me go to you first sure what are you thinking of criterion so far this year as far as like any favorites any standouts any like things that you hope get more attention or th- things that maybe people aren't talking about enough well the stuff that i've been you know focused on has been in my podcast like wanda death in venice very fortunate that these films from 1970 71 kind of fell right into my timeline and they're both really incredible uh, diamonds of the night one of those little reaction videos i did is also a very outstanding discovery i mean i've really enjoyed the czech films Anyways, but that was just a really sensational, wonderful discovery. Uh, the heiress, uh, I, I'm really impressed by that. I've heard a lot of good things about it, but even with very high expectations going in, I was just completely stunned at just the the sheer quality and mastery of that film. Uh, one I'm definitely eager to revisit again uh, whenever I get around to making my video. So yeah, to me, this has been a very solid year. I mean, uh, the Bruno Dumont, I've not seen any of those films yet, but I'm very eager to get into his stuff and uh that's a very it's a cool direction they're bringing in some some you know very you know younger newer filmmakers continuing to sort of expand the canon as well as you know the the hollywood classics you know swing time another even a face in the crowd i think it's got some great you know topical uh you know interest and all of that the jackie chan films are a lot of fun and uh pretty cool again i mean you you didn't think about it until they announced it but that's like yeah that 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 works that fits i'm glad it's in there you know so those are just a few that stand out i'm definitely eager to see what the uh, end of the year you know uh blockbusters are whatever they have but uh, yeah it's been a it's been a very solid season and uh i i think you know it's it's just been a pretty impressive you know the coker trilogy one to look forward to a pretty major release there and even some of the dvd upgrades the fist in the pocket that was pretty cool i, I really enjoyed that when i reviewed it on the dvd i wasn't expecting it, it was like yeah it's again it's nice to bring some of those old catalog titles back into prominence uh, Josh, what about you? What have, what have been some kind of standout Criterion releases uh, so far this year? Oh boy, it's been, it's been a really fantastic year. Just looking at the the recent slate of stuff, I know one of my favorites so far this year was To Sleep with Anger. Um, that was a big time discovery for me. I hadn't seen it until I caught the Blu-ray. Wanda, the same way, just a, a massive discovery for me. Um, the Police Story movies. They're so much fun, and those Blu-rays look incredible. Um, Diamonds of the Night, like David said, was a pretty big discovery. Um, I'll stand pretty hard for One Sings, The Other Doesn't. I think it's my favorite Varda film. 
And yeah, the two Bruno Dumonts. I'm super excited to see uh, him finally get some collection love. And with him getting a highlight on the Criterion channel uh, in July, I hope uh, hope it continues. And I just got the War and Peace Blu-ray and I'm about halfway through it. And it looks, it's mind-blowing. I can't wait to finish it. It's a really, really incredible Blu-ray. So, yeah. Scott, I know you uh, have like so much on your plate as far as reviewing titles, like theatrical stuff and everything. But what do you? That's a nice way of saying I owe you a couple of reviews, Ryan. So I no, appreciate that. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, you can do whatever you want, Scott. Um, you you uh, you have free reign to do whatever you want. Um, what? Uh, but what about you? What do you? What have, What have you watched so far this year? Um, that you have found you know to be special yeah i'm a little behind on stuff like you said i uh i'm very curious to check out one thing as the other doesn't uh i know is it on the channel already or it's gonna be i believe it is i I believe it is i really want to pick up the disc so i think i'm just gonna hold out for the sale for that one um and even like some of the releases that i have that i've been most excited about like uh carlos regatta's japan it's really good so excited to watch that movie i just haven't found the time yeah i know it's really good I've loved all his other stuff, so well, except Battle in Heaven. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, of the stuff I have seen, though, I mean, I love Diamonds of the Night. I had seen that a few years ago at a theater that is now shut down that will not be named for <laughs> reasons that <laughs> people who follow such things will know. Oh, uh, but uh, it was great to revisit it and the short that came along with it. They're, they're both really exceptional films, and anyone who's looking at that being like, well, it's only an hour-long film. Do I really need to spend the money on it? That's an hour that gives you much more than even many Criterion releases will give you in two or three hours. So that's really exciting. And then I really think they knocked it out of the park with four months, three weeks, and two days, which was long anticipated, and which, again, seems kind of like a thin release. It's got the film and a couple of interviews, but they're really thorough interviews that are really well done. And seeing the film, in depending on how you look at it, either it's full or it's butchered aspect ratio, uh, by all accounts, I, I'm guessing it's more of the full side of things and just watching the film. It really opened it up, literally, I guess, uh, just figuratively in terms of getting a second vision on a film that I think is really a modern classic and one of the great films, not only of the current century, but of all time. So as long as it took for Criterion to put that out, I'm glad they got it out as well as they did. What about you, Arik? Are you still... Are you are you complete like at the moment are you have you been keeping up or are you waiting uh i'm not quite complete i i'm not sure how i'm not terribly far off but there are i i am i, I do not have everything uh so for this year <laughs> when did the year start what was the first release it's of the year? Uh, 24 frames yeah 24 okay frames, so 24 frames like that, yeah. is incredible yeah, <laughs> and uh, and for me that you know I love Kurosami so much, but that is a very different thing from him. It's really good. It's, it's really good. Really good. I was yeah. shocked at how much I liked it. Um, so that that to me, so I've I haven't gotten to see much of the uh this year's releases mainly because I'm still making my way through the Bergman box and mm. the Olympics box and <laughs> and, the, <laughs> and the Dietrich and Stefan Sternberg box. And the last year was a, a lot of stuff, but the, so the, I've only seen, I think two of the 2019 releases so far. One is 24 frames, which I absolutely loved. And the other one, I, it's kind of cheating, but I, and I only saw it because it film struck was going away, but I saw Clooney Brown, uh, which I did not like. So it's not good. It's no, it's not good. You're, 
you and me, that's it. It's <laughs> you and me and everyone else is wrong. I, I didn't like it when I saw it either, but I, I'm Lubitsch complete, so I'm going to pick sure. it up and sure. try, to, try to like I mean, it I'm more everything next complete, time. so I'll be picking it up. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I am very, very excited for the Coker Trilogy. I'm extraordinarily excited for the flavor of green tea over rice because sure. I would like to be Ozo, Ozu complete at some point in my life because good Lord. So um, and, and everything else was mentioned. So I, I think it's been an incredible year. Like like Ryan said earlier, like they've just been releasing so much great stuff and it's got me very, very excited. Detour just showed up at my house uh, a couple days ago. Yeah, very excited to watch that. So I just I, I cannot wait to, to get into more of this stuff. I've just been a combination of work like like Scott and, and just the stuff from 2018 that I'm still working my way through. But 2019 has been a, a phenomenal year so far and it looks like it's going to to continue, I, I really feel like we might look back at this as a, a new golden age. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think for me, like th- some of my favorites have been obviously like the police story box set. That one was just so packed with all the types of supplements that I love. Um, most recently, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. I'm just like amazed at how much stuff that they managed to put in there too. Also, the fact that that's up on the Criterion channel uh, is pretty great. Yeah. I hope that turns people onto it and as uh, folks going and buying the disc but yeah like josh said with the war and peace blu-rays um it's amazing and it's incredible the cover is incredible but yeah 24 frames i think that's probably going to be also one of the films of the year uh for me too so good it's really great <laughs> well guys <clears throat> thanks so much for joining me tonight thanks everyone for listening i'm gonna have links in the show notes for all the stuff that we talked about tonight as well as where you can find everyone online where you can go buy a shirt and donate to our Patreon. And thank you. Thank you all. Thank you all for being on the show. Thank you all for listening for the past 10 years. It's been an amazing you know, part of my life that I never would have expected it to last as long as it has. And it's, you know, it still brings me joy every time. Yeah, and thank you, Ryan. Yeah, yeah oh, thank yeah. you, Ryan. Absolutely, I've, yeah. I'll be 10 years at the site for in May, I think. Um, and it's it's been an incredible home for the last going on a decade and yeah we wouldn't be here without you so thank you well, yeah absolutely it's my pleasure i certainly wouldn't have a region free blue <laughs> uh, many things so in i my appreciate life would the, not be the nudge yeah i would not have a lot of things without you yeah. so thank you well i appreciate you all and um this show just brings me uh joy every week so i'll see you all next time around when we yeah. uh, figure out what we're going to record next <laughs> hopefully i would love to join in on more film discussions but um you know i know we all uh try to and it schedules uh are tough to line up and i'm so grateful that you all were able to join me tonight and uh thanks again listeners and we'll see you next time 